0: Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania podcast. I'm AJ. And
1: I'm Gavin. Oh, uh-oh. Uh, I tried to, I, it started to slip into Australian again, and then oh, I pulled it out. I thought it, it was
0: Australian. What was it supposed to be?
1: <laughs> it's supposed to be villainous.
0: Oh, well, no, just, just Australian. It, it, well, it, it, it
1: started Australian. I, I will admit that. I feel like and you, then I, and you, then have, raspy...
0: you have three accents. You've got American <laughs> Gavin, you've got Australian Gavin, and then you have Japanese-speaking Gavin.
1: Oh, I thought uh, you were going to say an Australian, Gavin.
0: No, that, that would have been funny. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, how are you today, good sir?
1: Uh, I'm, d- I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. As we were uh, talking about in our little pre-recording ramble, uh, I'm uh, fighting off a little bit of a, a sore throat. I think it's uh, partially, you know, not from overtraining, just uh, pr- possibly overexerting myself the last few days. And also, so, you know, I love the Muay Thai gym I train at and everything, big group class. Nine times out of 10, uh, crew malipet will pick me to come up and lead the stretching. I think for two reasons. A, I always come to the front of the class when it's time to line up. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are like sheepish and in the back because they don't want to have to lead the stretching. Two, I do a good job leading the stretching. But three, I project my voice very well. So um, what happens is, you know, a lot of people go up there to stretch and they'll be like, all right, man, uh, circles with the neck. <laughs> you know and they're just very quiet and then on top of that after that you have to start leading whatever when you're done with the stretching what he calls out like jumping jacks push-ups this and that and same thing you'll get people that count their pushing back that j- their jumping jacks like one two three <laughs> so i think that's why he picks me because i project like circles with the neck and you know where i'm counting them and doing mm-hmm. them and then when we go to the jumping jacks it's like one, two, I'm very loud and boisterous. And then at the end of class, same thing when we're doing our final push ups and everything, you know, we do like speed push ups. We're doing like sets of 40, and most people can't count and do them at the same time. Well, not to toot my own horn, but I can do that. So I end up leading this class of like 30, 40 people. And I actually started to feel it last night at the end of class when I was counting and doing push ups. Normally it's not difficult for me, but I'm like, oh, I'm feeling this in my throat. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I stayed for sparring afterwards. And I'm, I think it was maybe my, second to last round of sparring uh i started to like you know feel my throat like like something was in there i'm like what's going on and i think i just kind of overexerted my vocal cords a little bit so uh and here i am today rambling per usual so (laughs) probably not helping the cause but i did take it easy today i did not go into the muay thai gym because just out of you know, waking up with a bit of a dry, like sore throat. I was like, all right, just to be safe, you know, don't want to be putting myself around people. So as I was telling Gavin, I went for a power walk, you know, still to keep moving. And yeah, I feel fine. Just got a little bit of a scratchy throat. So I'm also drinking a lot of liquids. Uh, I had a great uh, pressed juice for uh, recovery. I've also got very coffee. I've got another cold drink. So you'll hear me constantly like, so I apologize in advance. Anywho,
1: how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing very well. This This past week has been uh, a Worlds Collide week. It's so like,
0: like when the Worlds Collide. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. <laughs> so for a lot of listeners, they probably don't know that song. That would be the great Power Man 5000. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, <laughs> that was definitely a trend. What would you call that? Like the, the weird metal rock? I don't know. Like... Uh, like it's like, Zombie it's like and yeah yeah
1: yeah weird metal rock
0: weird metal rock that i got kind of into just because it was i don't know it was like cool because it was edgy and but the best part is me and my one of my very best friends dave we anytime a song like that will come on the radio now we'll like record it and send it to each other like just because uh-huh. it's so obnoxious <laughs> sorry to any pa- power man 5000 no. fans
1: um uh, well, no, so th- my, my world's collided a little bit this week. Uh, Monday, we had Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham and Herman Balthazar of Union Designs nice. meet up with us uh, to do some kickboxing with the Colburn Dance Academy students. We did that Monday at uh, in North Hollywood at a park. Uh, it was an off day for the students, so we made it an optional uh, outing, and a lot of students jumped on board. We went and had a great time at the park, 90-plus uh, minutes of pure training uh, and then from there when it had some pie and then came back to school, but yeah, the students were like, when's the next time, when's the next time they, they when when, when are we going to see Mr. Sugarfoot again? Where's Mr. Sugarfoot? Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, you know, side project that I do, I work on uh, for project censored, I do the junk news section. Uh, you can, people can look into that, but basically the junk news section is a chapter, a sort of like a snarky comedic chapter. I'm part of a writing team that writes, uh, all the stories that get covered. One other stories that don't get covered could be covered. So Will Smith slap heard around the world, stuff like that. Uh, we write about that. Okay. Anyway, got got to go to LMU do a presentation. Uh, the oh. the the publisher, editor, writer Mickey Huff was in town. Long story short, you know, has me come up talk about junk news. Do a little presentation to the students. Uh, afterwards, an arts and culture entertain uh, writer from the Lion, Emma Fox, comes up, starts chatting with me about junk news. And you know, this is where it it, it overlaps with what we do. She started talking about how. It's not just that junk news uh, casts a shadow over mainstream or like big stories, air quote big stories that should be covered. It casts a major shadow over arts and culture. Mm. So, like, so much celebrity news that gets into the mainstream news and, like, uh, you know, uh, takes our attention away from important stories. It also steals so much time from the arts and culture section of newspapers. And and in that conversation, we started talking about everything everywhere all at once, ah. which is really cool. Like they had a writer do a piece on on how it's, uh was directed by a film director who has ADHD and how it's basically an ADHD story in many ways. And I thought that was really interesting. But, you know, so often what gets covered are like celebrity gossip. So stories like that might not make it into the mainstream or uh, like your, your legacy media, corporate media, like you're, you're getting the celebrity gossip and not. So it's funny how like arts and culture so often get stifled even more than other things in the name of entertainment,
0: especially local arts and culture. Right. Yes. And stuff. And it's incredible. Even some of the stuff I will miss that's going on, even randomly here in like the Fresno area. And I'm like, we right. had that going on. Why didn't I, right? why didn't I hear about this? You know? And then I guess it comes down to marketing, but you know, you can't afford marketing sometimes when it's a lower budget. Exactly, uh, arts and culture thing. So, yeah, I mean, so I, I have it, nothing, it, it, like, for example, I have nothing against the the Kardashians, but geez, Louise, do they pop up on my newsfeed all the time? And I'm like, I have no interest <laughs> in this. Yeah. give me some uh, meaty
1: news. Hmm, interesting choice of words. Oh, oh, oh. and okay, any, anyway. Anyway, uh you yeah, know just it's just like wh- this is essentially what as I was having that conversation this is essentially what our podcast is about like we are we're talking about the arts and culture of martial arts cinema the arts and culture of martial arts and uh you know I never think we we rarely ever talk about celebrity gossip on here because why would we and then so it's interesting how you know we listen to other podcasts out there but so much of the podcast world is about the clickbait. And so I'm really happy to be able to record record this with you in, in very thoughtful ways that we do these recordings. So. Yeah.
0: The closest thing we will ever get to clickbait is if once we get the YouTube channel, we may have to do those stupid pictures of our faces, like reactions, like oh. But <laughs> other than that, we're we're keeping it honest and sincere. Like yeah. I'm not you know, as I said, I, I, once again, I appreciate what people are able to do with their channels. Even a lot of the ones I, I watch and follow and reaching like hundreds of thousands of followers. I'm always happy for them and stuff, but I see a a lot of the strategies they have to use and quite frankly, the clickbait type stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, this is, this has always been, I I'd say for us, I say always, we've been around for a little over three years now doing this. Uh, for us, this is an amazing outlet, a creative outlet, but mm-hmm. also it's creating a body of work for both of us too, in terms of, you know, film analysis, textual analysis of the cinema that we love. And it's definitely uh, an endeavor of love, but it's also, we keep it professional and so forth. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that uh, we are authentic yet entertaining and we're not going anywhere anytime soon aside from going up that's right yeah where's that ceiling i can't see it because i just busted through it that's right that's right actually now watch like next week we're gonna blow up because we do something stupid and it becomes viral (laughs) gavin and aj attempted to uh remake the hot dog finger scene from uh, everywhere everywhere (laughs) yes (laughs) everything everywhere all at once uh with just the two of us nobody wants to see that uh myself included anywho Let's get into martial arts movie news, simply because last episode we skipped Mm -hmm. some very important stuff. (laughs) Very important. First of all, as we had predicted, everything, everywhere, all at once. Kicked butt in the Oscars, but even more so than we predicted. uh, As we thought, Michelle Yeoh, ki Kwan won uh, the acting Oscars, so very happy for both of them. Jamie Lee Curtis winning was uh, a big surprise. I had mentioned that actually in the preamble of uh, the episode that I released uh, for Magnificent Warriors that we had recorded a few weeks before. But mm-hmm. yes, once again, congratulations. Congratulations to the Daniels. I mean, winning best picture.
1: How many uh, How many awards? It, it's the most it awards since Mil- Mil- uh, Slumdog Millionaire, correct? Yeah, that's
0: correct, yeah. And uh, definitely kind of an underdog picture like that film, right? Absolutely. So very happy for all of them. Second... On the same day that the Oscars were going on, I believe it was the same day, Sammo Hung won the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. Uh, from what, do you know what governing body that was or was it? Was it, it wasn't the Hong Kong Film Awards. It was it wasn't. The, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it was. It was, I think it was some sort of, I, I want to say. It, it was, was Asian. Yeah, it was the Asian like. Uh, I'm not sure. Let's look it up real quick.
1: Oh, you got your phone? Otherwise, I'm going to start clicking on my computer.
0: You son of a gun.
1: It could also be in the text thread that I sent you the
0: Asian Film Awards. There you go. Yeah. So he won the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. So that's amazing for him.
1: Mm -hmm. And beautiful speech, by the way.
0: His as well. Like, you know, like Kihu Kwan's in the Oscars, which was just so inspiring. Sammo also gave a beautiful speech,
1: wonderful speech. And
0: it was was just about his love for Hong Kong cinema and how he thinks Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, going to make a turnaround and stuff and this and that. So that all awesome. Uh, Anything else new this week? I feel like I, well, I feel like we're always two weeks behind because I forget of when we
1: record and when we release, I guess we could say that there's a film that was just released yesterday. But we will be talking about that film later today. That is correct. Or later on this episode. You'll be hearing this episode four days from whence we are now speaking. And in that time, another film will be released with martial arts in it. This is
0: correct. Uh, you were kind of the Riddler there. But yeah, anywho, <laughs> we'll be talking about, about a brand new movie today. Also, John Wick 4 comes out this weekend. I have already bought my tickets. We are going to see it. At the IMAX on Sunday. Yeah, it's crazy. So I go yesterday and Mm -hmm. tickets were already like all the good seats were filling up, like the middle seats. So I was like, babe, I got to buy them now. Are you down for Sunday? Because it's a long, excuse me, it's a long movie as well. So, but I've heard nothing but good things. Like not one bad review. In fact, some people are calling it like the greatest martial arts movie they've ever seen. And I'm just so excited. Uh I I can't wait to see it on the IMAX. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So we'll so definitely be talking about it.
1: I'll be honest with you. I haven't finished one complete trailer for John Wick Four. Uh I saw a portion of a trailer and I'm like, I'm already going. I don't want any spoilers. I've watched one partial interview with Scott Atkins talking about how his character is a mix of of an homage to Samuel Hung with his size and everything. I'm like, that's enough. I don't need to hear anything else. I'm Good going. For you. And it's been very difficult. Um, it's been very difficult indeed. It's one of the. It's one of the. Being in Japan was was a nice break because I didn't have TVs where I wasn't streaming trailers, etc. But but this weekend is going to be hard because I plan to go on my day off, which is going to be Monday.
0: Well, you know what's cool is John Wick. Excuse me, John Wick. Scott Atkins has been hitting the talk show circuit all week. I've seen right? him on like three or four different shows. And that's great publicity for him. And I kind of wonder, I think maybe he's the one that possibly had the most time or whatever, or they flew him, you know, obviously out for the premiere. And they're like, (laughs) hey, how about you promote, you know, and yes. he's a very handsome, well-spoken guy. You know, he can do martial arts demos on the spot for people, which he has in like each interview. And it's so funny. He's verbatim saying the exact same thing on some of these. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just literally, you know, it's like cookie cutter responses in a sense, probably because,
1: you know, sometimes they're like, Hey, this is what we're going to say. This is what you're going to say. I don't know. But well, yeah, it's just- and I mean, they're going to ask essentially the same questions. He's kind of new to some people right? or they're being introduced to a wider audience. So they're going to ask. Yeah. He- Anyway, yeah, go ahead, I, I'm just
0: glad to see him getting so much exposure, and it might be good for him too. Because yes, you know, a lot of people may be like, "Well, who's this guy? Dang, he's good." I mean, like, wow, you know, he's a he's a leading man. Why? Why? Absolutely. I, see his
1: stuff? I mean, you know, we 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 already spoke about this one film very recently, Accident Man, too. Mm-hmm. I just that for me is the ultimate entry point for for audiences that might not be familiar with martial art films or scott atkins of course there are other films that if you are in the martial art realm you might want to you can get people to introduce scott atkins to with other films but man that just came out and now he's doing this and it's a great reference point for people to maybe like track back just a little bit just you know half a year and see see accident man too
0: yeah you know and the nice part is you could look at that as maybe his best film now, and you never want to start with the best film of someone's, you know, library of work, but mm-hmm. there's others that are on par, like older ones. So you definitely could, because I think that would be the film that convinces you. I've got to hunt down this guy's other movies yeah. and familiarize myself with his work. But anywho, let's right. get moving into quotes. You got some quotes for me?
1: I do indeed have some quotes. Uh right. Let us see. Um, I had it pulled up here. I did. I did. I swear to you. But then we started talking about uh, what awarded Samuel uh, get. And where did I put that? Where I, okay. It's all right. I got one written down. So I'm okay. going to give you. It. It's a conversation. This was the more difficult one. It's kind of in vain of the film we were reviewing. Uh, Two characters. Okay. You believe in Jesus? Yes, I do we you're going to meet him. Oh. N- there's no martial arts in it. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, it's okay. Uh, I mean, I know, I know, I know I am going to know this movie, but I cannot think of it off
1: the top of my head. Hit me with it. Death Wish 2. Ah, uh, all right. All right. You know, I was going to go somewhere, somewhere with Death Wish one, but come on, we got it. Because
0: last episode, we did talk about Charles Bronson. And you yes, are still there and... that I talked about Charles Bronson with Tiger.
1: I, I, I'm getting over it. I'm getting over it. You ready for this next quote? It's from Death Wish two. I'm okay. kidding.
0: <laughs> okay. So, what's the, do you have the next quote now? Yes, I do. Okay.
1: And the second it takes you to kill her, I will have all the time I need to kill you.
0: That will be Kiss of the Dragon.
1: Indeed. That was the easier quote. Excellent.
0: So, I mean, it's good that I got it. But uh, nice. uh, I'm glad you didn't attempt to do a Jet Li accent yes yeah
1: i can only attempt to do sammo because uh is just like i can't do his lines without sammo coming through me right
0: and you, you did get to work with him in person so yes
1: i did yeah yes i did so he's going uh, going back to his uh, speech it was quite touching
0: yes very yeah very much so and, and you got to see uh joyce mina gadenzi the camera Indeed I, did. And stuff. I was like oh wow she looks good still
1: I didn't say I dropped the. Oh, you mean there at the at the awards? Yeah. I thought you were saying like that's what I said about her.
0: No, I'm I'm yeah. saying like she. Yeah,
1: they both do. They both look really good. Like, they they have this that glow about them. It looks
0: perfect. That's the best way of putting it. So because obviously Sambo has had some health issues, he walks with a yeah. cane, but he has an aura presence to him, and his wife Joyce Mina Gadenzi, same thing, has that same like youthful spirit almost of them. I sense. know, like. Yeah, so... Uh,
1: they they know where the, the, the fountain of glow is hidden.
0: They've got the glow. They talked to Bruce yes. Leroy. All right. Uh, anything else before we get chatting about our movie today?
1: I am... No. I was trying to work in a pun, but I got nothing. Okay. I'm ready.
0: All righty. Today, we are talking about the 2023 film, brand new, just premiered on Netflix yesterday. And I've already watched it. One and or pretty much two times. I watched it twice, more or less. I The second viewing, I had to fast forward a little bit. Anywho, we're talking about the 2023 Vietnamese action thriller, Furies, with an S, Furies, directed by Veronica No. So this film works as a prequel to her 2019 film, Fury now right out the gate we should mention there's no way we can talk about this movie without some spoilers yeah so uh and i will definitely put this in the show notes when the it comes out i highly recommend you go and watch the movie first but we've got to bring up some of these spoilers now the film furies i forgot initially i remember when they announced it who the film was about like it was a prequel i knew it was a prequel but i forgot who is a prequel about so i start watching the movie and i'm like this isn't a prequel it's just set like 20 years before the first movie what does that have to do with Mm -hmm. anything blah blah and then as i was telling gavin it wasn't until the final shot of the movie where i'm like very final shot Oh, that's who this movie's about Mm -hmm. because in vietnamese you'd already know because the title just like the first film was not called Fury in Vietnamese. It was the lead character's name played by Veronica Ngo. Uh, yes. I, a Hwang, I, I think it was Huang something. But this film, uh, the Vietnamese title is uh, Tan Soi, which means Tan Wolf, pretty much. Soi is mm-hmm. like one of the, it's uh, uh, the characters for Wolf in Vietnamese. So Tan Soi is the name of this film, which is Tan Wolf. And Tan Wolf was the lead villain of the first film so really it's not a spoiler for vietnamese audiences for american audiences maybe a little bit it would be now uh this film very interesting. So once again, directed by Veronica Noe, and she has a significant co-starring role in it, playing a completely different character this time around.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: it's the origin story of the villain from the first movie. So uh, whose name is? And now once again, finally after watching it the second time, I'm putting it all together. Uh, whose name is not Tan Soi or even Tan? It is B. So, mm-hmm. it's an origin story of how she became this pretty much like badass killer, uh, what she had to go through. And it, overall, it's it's a very interesting movie. Did I like it? Yes, very much so. Did I have some things about it I didn't like? Yes, very much so. It's It's well refined, yet it's all over the place at the same time.
1: Hmm. There, 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 are. Yes. Go. Keep continuing. I was gonna
0: then. Say it's slick and polished, mm-hmm. yet kind of loose and falling apart in some aspects. It's got so much right,
1: yet some crucial things kind of wrong. Yeah. It's 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 like we, we what we discussed in our text exchange. It's it's definitely kinetic, mm-hmm. but just like you're saying, the film gets from scene to scene sometimes by the skin of its teeth it just gets there any if it lingers any further on some of the on some scenes then it would fall apart but it doesn't it does keep it together it does it is definitely a strong revenge plot Uh, you know there are a lot of uh, assault sexual assault Mm -hmm. situations in this film so Audience members should be advised about that. Um, uh, you know, I was in my notes, I was joking. Well, it's not a joke, but essentially like there's there are more sexual assaults in this film than perhaps the entire Death Wish franchise. Yeah. It could be. I didn't, I I don't sit down to count those things, but this film is a lot of some of it can be a little disturbing, but it's not like they're showing too much, but at the same time, it's more than implied. Oh, yeah. uh, certain certain aspects are more than implied.
0: Well, and it, it's also very uh, graphic. The yes, there's some very hardcore scenes of rape, yeah, uh, child rape, even. And you're just you're taking it back at first. You're like, whoa, because especially in Vietnam, they have very strict censorship rules when it comes. to
1: Yeah, films. I know. I was really surprised actually when I was watching this.
0: I uh, same thing. Even with like you know the whole plot uh, regarding the rampant, uh, seedy, sexual underworld and exploitation of women and forced into prostitution and so forth. Because uh, famously, as a lot of people may know with Vietnamese cinema, uh, Johnny Tri Nguyen, the uh, Vietnamese-American wushu expert who mm-hmm. starred in The Rebel and Clash, yes. our episode we recorded and lost years ago.
1: So. Oh, no. We I, Yeah, I forgot yeah, about that.
0: We, so we need to redo that one. But anywho, he famously was making a film god it feels like it was a decade ago now that never got released and because it couldn't pass the censorship and then they were so strict about it they're like and you better not ever release it like anywhere else or you're gonna get in trouble here and like people that worked on it so they were just forced it because you may think well oh just release it like uh, you know in other territories and stuff but no they're like now nope, and you can't release it anywhere so this whole film i believe they finished they've just been sitting on because i believe that one had to do with organized crime and so forth mm-hmm. but so does this one very heavily it does definitely it deals with drugs it deals with uh, once again child exploitation prostitution you know rape all sorts of things that you would assume wouldn't get past the censors
1: but i don't know I don't, yeah, I have no idea how that is. Like, I wasn't anticipating the way the film opened and then how it went back there a few times. Um, But, um, you know, this is what we do. We review films. Yeah. And so maybe, like, if a film opens like that on on a film I'm not reviewing, I might just say, you know, let me turn to something else. But this is what we do. and. Fortunately, because this is what we do, and mm-hmm. we view review these films for our listeners and you know to hear back from them as well. I jumped into a film that showcased what I think is a very strong. Is it is it her directorial debut, or is it like her second or third film? This is technically
0: her third film. The first the, yeah. two, I, I'm not sure if they were action pictures or not, but uh Veronica No, well-known actress, singer and action star in Vietnam. Yes. Uh, and we've talked about her before when we reviewed The Rebel. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. she's kind of like the 21st century Michelle Yeoh.
1: As yes.
0: Someone that didn't have a martial arts background, but then stepped into these roles and is as good as anybody else out there nowadays. She's just phenomenal Undoubtedly. as a performer.
1: Undoubtedly. Uh, I
0: mean, and we could get to her action in this film, which actually I think is maybe not as good as some of the other ones. But she is, in my opinion, like, you know, the 21st century Michelle Yeoh. Well,
1: and and well, but speaking speaking to like the hurdle that I that I, I I I overcame, so to speak, to watch this to 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 watch the film, I was treated to my first viewing of a of a film directed by her, and you know, despite like a few areas where it's falling out, it, she she puts together a really nice, slick look. It moves, and like while all the characters aren't as fleshed out and fully developed as we or I might want, like there there is some uh what do you what do we call it? universe building because this is a mm-hmm. prequel there is some r- actual well done universe building with the with the furies uh but mostly all of that is to this whole film is essentially the character development of of the protagonist towards the, or another the protagonist uh the character development for the character that moves on to fury
0: right and so at the beginning of the film, it says 15 years ago, where really, uh-huh. it's actually jumping way farther than 15. But, <laughs> yes. And then it goes to maybe 15. I did the math, technically, uh-huh. and this is very surprising, because as I'm watching, I'm like, no, they've messed up the timeline and this and that, simply because at the end of Fury, the original film, our villain... Uh, And like the the three main characters, they're given little bios, like little synopsis, and they pop up super fast in the credits and they disappear. Well, you know, luckily there's a pause button. So I figured out, you know, it gives their date of birth and so forth. So I actually did the math, figured it out based off of prison sentences and this and this and that. So the main uh, chunk of the film, like the the current day storyline that it takes place in, is in 1998. Okay. So the film takes yeah. place in 1998 because okay. at the end of the first Fury film, it gives her date of birth, Tan Wolf, uh, as 1980. She spends, okay. uh, spoiler alert, at the end of this film, she goes to prison for 15 years. In Fury, they talk about how Tan Wolf suddenly hit the scene six years ago, which would have been, because that film came out in 2019, so that would have been 2000. 13. So, Mm -hmm. if her 13-year prison sentence, or excuse me, if her 15-year prison sentence ended in 2013,
1: that'd be 1998. Oh, very nice math. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with you.
0: And therefore, she was 18 when the uh, story takes place, which makes sense because one of her uh, companions is celebrating her 19th birthday in the movie. So, they're all about that age. Mm -hmm. So, I was quite surprised when I put it all together. That's when I told you I was doing last-second research. Yes, I went back and uh, was checking on Fury because the whole way this came about was first of all I was watching uh, The Princess on Hulu. I started it. I was quite okay. enjoying it, and I thought, nice. well, because you know Veronica knows in that, and it's directed mm-hmm. by a Vietnamese director. I thought, well, maybe we should just do Fury. And I said to you, you said, yeah, it's a good idea. So I watched Fury again, and, and you know, I'm not sure the last time I watched it, maybe a year ago or so. And then you mm-hmm. said, hey. Well, we should just do Furies because that, or should we do Furies, the, the sequel, because it comes out tomorrow or like in two days. And I was like, well, actually it's a prequel, but I didn't realize I thought it was next month. So I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So I had just watched Fury on top of that. Hence why a lot of this was on the top of my head. And I was able to kind of put one, one together, but we should, we should probably get into the plot real quick. So the story starts off, uh, with our lead character B as a child, you know she lives in an impoverished area her Mm -hmm. mom is a prostitute uh they live on a boat and you know she's exposed to her mom's actions at a very young age and it's Mm -hmm. hinted at that she's uh kind of has learning disabilities or Mm -hmm. that she's special in one way uh or or another and then at they don't really tell you the age It, it fast forwards a little bit so i'm like maybe early teen years uh one of her mom's clients shows up and then He's he's drunk and her mom's not there, so then he starts to sexually assault her. Uh and her mom comes back, tries to stop it, and in the uh, scuffle, she gets killed. So then our character B, now like, you know, maybe twelve or thirteen years old, kills the attacker. The boat burns down and then she's on her own. So she's living on the streets for years, blah, blah. So now we fast forward to where the story's taking place. 1998, she's 18. uh, And she's about to be assaulted by a group of men in the streets. They're going to rape her uh, when she is rescued by Veronica No's character, Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. Or as they call her, uh, they call her Aunt... Aunt Lee, is that what, Jacqueline, no, Aunt Lynn, excuse me, Aunt Lynn, oh, duh, so she's saved by this character, Jacqueline, Aunt Lynn, uh, brings her back to her place, and that's where we find out Jacqueline has two other young uh, women living there who are her protégés, so those would be, uh, do, 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 we have, uh, sorry, so once again, my Vietnamese isn't the best, and if I mispronounce any of these names, I apologize. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I do know that all Vietnamese surnames are one syllable, no matter how long they are. Uh, my my good friend, uh, Sifu Peter Nguyen from Legacy JKD taught me that. So uh-huh. I'm going to try my best. Okay, so uh, of her companions, we've got uh, Hong who uh, is the one that ends up celebrating her 19th birthday. She's kind of the bubbly one, as I put in my notes, like K-pop-ish. She's very like, you know, at that time would be like Britney Spears-esque. And then Mm -hmm. we have uh, Tan, Tan, uh, who is the more serious one. And what we find out is that Jacqueline, or Antalyn as they call her, has been training them to take down pretty much the lowlifes of the city, but in particular... One group of criminals. So she has trained them to be kind of like vigilantes. You know, she rescued (laughs) them from the seedy underworld. They were both being exposed to, you know, forced into prostitution, uh, being, you know, sexually assaulted, et cetera. So now she has B, her newest recruit, and they work together to train her. So then now they have this trio of young female vigilantes. And mm-hmm. the group they're going after is called the Big Four. So we have their leader, uh, Hai, also known as Mad Dog. Uh, and then we have Son Lai, known as Half-Blood. I'm assuming maybe because he's, you know, half uh, Caucasian. He kind of looks like he might be. Who His main role is he's the bodyguard of Hai. Then we've got... Uh, Long Bo Da, who's the dealer, who's like mm-hmm. you know he heads up their drug organization. Then we have Tio Matio, who plays Scarf, or excuse me, who is Scarface. Uh, these are their the the characters' names, and then their like subnames. And he's the head of the whole prostitution ring. Uh, yeah, so their goal, ultimate goal, is to take them down. As the story progresses, we learn there's more behind. Jacqueline's motivation than
1: just rescuing all
0: these poor, innocent
1: girls. Right. And, and, and the the poor, innocent girls all have us are, are all trainable, but Jacqueline definitely does use their story to fuel her plan. Right. You know, and- we're going to take out these, are the guys are going to countless women will be hurt because of them. You take them out and then we will be able to, we'll be able to do a triage against, the assault on women.
0: Yeah. Uh, So we get some cool training montages uh, as B is learning her skills. And once again, we, we see that she's naturally very aggressive, very furious, if you will. But she also has extreme PTSD from the incident in which she was sexually assaulted and then her mom was killed and then she in turn killed the sexual assaulter. So Mm -hmm. it comes back and flashes to her. And even when she becomes this highly efficient vigilante killer, she has trouble managing those emotions at first. And that's kind of one of the cool, interesting character development uh, aspects that pops up that they did focus on and show us hey, you know, she comes from this messed up life, but it doesn't mean she can just seamlessly transition into this vigilante killer.
1: Right. And you know the, the, so there's a lot of darkness mm-hmm. in this film. There's a lot of like, you know, heavy if you think about it heavy uh storylines. You don't even have to think about. It. They're heavy storylines. Yeah. <laughs> uh there's a crack in, in 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 the wall where they live. And there's a dandelion, right? Mm-hmm. Or a sunflower. Dandelion it's, I think. It's
0: some sort it's neither of those. It's like they have a specific name for it, but
1: Yeah. There's a flower growing, and essentially, just like the flower needs, they're, they're like the flower needs love to grow. A uh, hope ne- needs love to grow. So that's like one of the the themes that the the characters, the the Furies, the three the three uh, lady three, basically one who are being trained to kill vigilantes, are always come back to that they need love for hope to grow and they need love. Essentially, they they are like the flowers. They need love themselves so that they can continue to grow.
0: Excellent analysis. And it it's really cool because they're taking some old school elements of the martial arts genre, specifically like the Kung Fu Pian and flipping yes. it on their head. So what, what we're getting is kind of the heroic bloodshed element of both the Wuxia genre, but for mm-hmm. me more specifically, I'm looking from the Kung Fu genre because I'm getting the Chang Chu vibes of like heroic bloodshed and brotherhood. Instead of yes. reversing. Very nice. it. Yeah, and making it sisterhood. So definitely the heroic bloodshed aspect, like especially our finale. I mean, it gets bloody and it's uh once again, spoiler alert, like a lot of the classic early Chang Chu films, uh, you know. Most of our heroes or people kind of end up dying. Yes,
1: and that's that's what's really that is one of the intriguing aspects of this film. It's in many ways as we're going along, the three characters that are really being fully developed, this universe that is being fully developed, are not the characters who are going to live with us beyond this film, Mm -hmm. uh, into into the the original, into part one, I guess, or part two, however however we number these things these days. It's uh, it's really. And I love that analysis that it is that like that the Chang Cho sort of like brotherhood, uh, that's really hitting the nail on the head. Uh, yeah, I, I had I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. I actually thought about it more from the so close perspective, the God. the Corey Yoon film.
0: Yeah. But the interesting so the thing is you the but as we all know, or I mean <laughs> Chang Cho was very big on the Yang Gong aesthetic, the hard-body masculinity. He was very anti you know uh i'd say it like female leads mm-hmm. and stars I, it can it, i mean that can be seen in the transition from cheng pei pei's come drink with me to golden swallow right where he insisted on making jimmy wong Yu the lead uh-huh. in that but then so when we look at the, the film that it draws a lot of comparisons to me personally is uh the boxer from shantung Just Mm. in the way that we kind of have this, you know, seedy underworld, someone coming into it, obviously under very different circumstances, but then we have the whole idea of the brotherhood that's developed between Chen Quantai and David Chang in that film, you know, the tragic hero's ending, Mm -hmm. very bloody finale, uh, a lot of similar elements, but, you know, Chang Cho would be rolling over in his grave if he saw, oh, there's a female starring in it, but- It works perfectly. And obviously, we as audience members have always loved and appreciated anybody on screen, male or female, doesn't matter. And here what we're getting is one of the things that works great about this film is the sisterhood between the three uh, young vigilantes. Like their relationship and how they develop into sisters works very well, in my opinion, is probably one of the best developed sides of the story what
1: would you think you, you that's that's so interesting as we as we talk it starts to you start to see uh how our three heroines plus Jacqueline are 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 mirrored in numbers with the four gentlemen the what the mad dogs four oh
0: yeah the mad four you Yeah, know,
1: because you know Jacqueline is sort of out of it so it's like three on three the big and four then excuse me sorry yeah. So and then when it's time to take on uh, uh, Mad Dog, you know, uh, you, you know th- they've lost some numbers. Everyone's lost some numbers. But then that's when Jacqueline gets involved. And what I really like about uh, where the strain, where this train of thought is taking me, and, and this conversation is taking me, is is you know again like you're you're saying in the martial arts world, male or female, we really like. Characters that can execute on screen, and what we see is, you know, the guys are are kind of drugged out, or they're sloppy, or they're they're not good characters. So no. the people who train the hardest throughout this film are the are the are our three leads plus Jacqueline. And near the end, uh, once Mad Dog is out of the picture, you know, you've already warned people. Spoiler alert! There's we have to we have yeah. to go there. Uh, you then have your your two female leads face off in a martial arts fight that is at an even higher level of execution than what mad dog could present with present them with, you know? So it, at the end, it's, it's really, this film does become a, a you know, fun, kind of female empowerment, particularly in the, in the lens that you're casting it in, which is kind of, kind of a, a unique way of looking at it. I really appreciate that.
0: Right uh thank you and so we should mention uh, as we kind of hinted at before so we we discover later on and it's kind of weird it's it's brought up it's never quite made like aha you know like the big uh reveal it's just kind of slowly and sometimes sort of confusingly brought up where Mm -hmm. we realize jack there's more to jacqueline's plot than just uh you know saving all these girls and bringing down this group we find out pretty early on that her husband and child were murdered mm-hmm. but what we don't realize but when re-watching it actually they use his name when talking about him early in the movie the villains but i don't think as a viewer you were supposed to put one-on-one together also i think there's only a certain amount of surnames in vietnamese so i think it's common for and this is mm-hmm. true like i think there's like a hundred different surnames uh so it's not uncommon to have like for example even looking at the the crew of this film it gets a little confusing because there's a lot of different uh and even tans and but What we find out later on in actuality is her husband, Hong, was the original leader of this crew. And it was Mad Dog or Hai that betrayed him, killed him, and killed her son as well. So, Mm -hmm. and then we find out later on that of the, the big four, one of them is actually secretly working with Jacqueline And so that would be uh, the dealer, aka Long Bo Da, uh, because he didn't like how Mad Dog betrayed Hong. So he's secretly been working with Jacqueline for the last five years, helping Mm -hmm. her kind of infiltrate and figure out the the plans and stuff. But two of our three girls know nothing about this. However, the one girl, the K-pop girl, Hong, for some reason, she knows all about it because she is romantically involved with Long Bo Da and is together Mm -hmm. with her and Jacqueline and the auntie character that's also there. And so it's like, wait, why was she exposed to this information? Why didn't she tell her sisters? It's never really explained, but I think it's kind of thrown in there as, all right, let's give some romance. And now I I like the the romantic chemistry between uh, Hong and Long Bo Da But it's just, it's almost like they threw it in there just to have that romantic element. Yes.
1: And it was like, it was, you know, I was, you know, my comment when we were watching this at home was, there's a consensual scene. Maybe, maybe we, maybe we, the director, maybe she felt uh, as, as an audience, we need to see romance in a consensual way. Although even the phrasing the way I just phrased that is wrong, but you get what I'm saying. Like we've seen a a lot of, yeah, we've seen a lot of like assault at the worst level. So maybe we need to see some romance again, like the flower growing in the dirt. You need, you need love for hope. And she's the one, the the bubbly one is the one who talks about you need love for hope to grow hope.
0: And I I like, and even the, the kind of inconsistency with, okay, Hong knows about, uh, how he is secretly working with Jacqueline and so therefore probably knows the truth about more about Jacqueline's background. All right, I could live with that. But spoiler alert, when Hong is uh, killed, she's the first of the, the three sisters to kill in their first attempt to assassinate Hai in his nightclub, they fail and Hong gets killed and Long Bo Da is literally right there and just kind of has to go with it, I guess, to keep pretending like he's on the bad guy's side but in in reality with the relationship they established between the two of them he talks about how like she is his life now right and like he mm-hmm. wants to build a new life for them if i was him i would have and he could have easily stopped it and like saved her and then just bounced with her like yeah he's exposed but whatever
1: so i don't know i found that kind of like that yeah that scene that scene was uh that scene was uh, complicated. It's a great fight sequence in this hallway where they've characters get separated and they're like trying to fight back to each other. Then there's, then there's right. the guy who she real quick, loves
0: real quick. It's yeah, no, uh, she shoots straight hallway fight scene though. I will say that. Uh, yeah, you're yeah, right. So, sorry, so there,
1: there, there are a lot of sequences that are not carbon copies. Let's just say homages right. to others. And nice. this that, that that was definitely one of them. Keep going. Oh, but yeah there's 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 he's there, and the fact that he didn't intervene and like get involved, but I suppose if he had, then there wouldn't be an opportunity to have uh, the complicated storyline between the remaining theories and Jacqueline and also not all of your characters would probably have made it to the end because all of a sudden your your protagonists or protagonist at the time would have had an extra number.
0: Right. So Hong is killed. Yes. Our duo that's left. So we have uh, obviously B and we have Tan. They escape narrowly during a motorcycle sequence, which is probably the weakest of the film action wise because. I know we didn't. We
1: almost didn't need that.
0: Yeah. Very poor uh, CG, unfortunately. Anywho, they get back. And this whole time, Tan has been, excuse me, not Tan, uh, B has been suspicious of Jacqueline. Like. And so at this point, they know what's your real connection, what's going on here. And then that's when they find out, you know, about how uh, Hai murdered her husband and son. But it's still not made clear whether they know that her husband, Hong, was the leader of the group. But either which way, they decide to stay with uh, Jacqueline simply because, A, they'll never be able to escape uh, High and they have to avenge Hong. So that brings us to the finale, where uh, we go th- and we'll we'll talk about the action here shortly. I'm just trying to finish up the plot. So then they, you know, and then they they get through all the henchmen, et cetera. Et cetera. They end up in kind of uh, this final room in this office. We've got Jacqueline, we've got High, our main bad guy. We've got uh, B. We've got Tan, who's barely alive. She's pretty much, you know, we know she's going to die. And then we also have Longbo Da, who Mm -hmm. establishes himself as, hey, hi, I've been helping them all along, blah, blah. And that's where Jacqueline's character kind of takes a, I'm not sure if it's a 180 at this point, but she takes the rest of that 90 degrees, maybe. And we find Uh out that, yes, it's like she's not even really caring about her husband. She's very. Enraged about the murder of her son, but we find out her true one of her equally as true motivation was to take back the territory and Mm -hmm. become this like Mm -hmm. mob boss. And I'll, I'll say this as inconsistent as I found it and kind of almost plot hole esque. Veronica knows performance is great. She turns it on into this, like, psychotic, completely different character than the Aunt Lynn they've had the whole time. Even just, like, the, her facial expressions. It's like she becomes a gangster. And you're just like, okay. And so right then and there, she also murders Long Bo Da, the guy who's been helping her this whole time because he didn't save her husband uh, five years before. She says that, shoots him first, then shoots our villain high. Mm-hmm. then uh when B says okay Tan and I owe you nothing now we're gonna leave suddenly Jacqueline's like nah you're gonna die B and Tan you're gonna do it it's like wait why does she need to kill B just because I was, know like there was really no reason for that and that was kind of a a weird like just because she wants to leave she's not talking about how she's gonna you know go against you she's literally just leaving so then rather than kill her even though she feels Tan feels this uh uh what would you call it? Not dedication obligation to mm-hmm. uh Jacqueline. She feels more of an obligation to her sister, and mm-hmm. when she tries to shoot Jacqueline instead, Jacqueline kills her, and that's where we get the final fight between Jacqueline and B. B survives barely once again, and everyone's just like dead on the ground and it's assumed maybe B is also dead. police show up, they find B still alive, they throw her in prison. It fast forwards to 15 years later. And what Uh we get is the actress from the first film that was playing Tan Wolf, you know, looking into the camera and walking out of the jail cell being released. So that's where for me, I was like, oh, this whole time, because when she is being released from prison, they call her Ti Cha Tan. So she took the identity of Tan, her friend. Yes. So when the police find her and she wakes up and they throw her in prison, she obviously didn't give her name a B. She gave the name of her dead sister, Tan. Like she took her identity, maybe to live in her spirit. And then that's where the movie ends. Now, it's also interesting because in the first Fury movie, our villain Tan Wolf runs a child organ uh harvesting ring.
1: Like mm-hmm. and,
0: and I just don't quite Understand. I mean, fifteen years in prison could also, you know, could change you a little bit. Yeah, change you a little bit. But like, had she become this kind of straight up assassin type killer? Cool, I get it. But I just find her exploitation of children a little strange coming from her background. Now, she mentions earlier in the film how she likes killing, but it scares her, and this and that. Uh, and a lot. Yeah, she, she
1: doesn't say anything about like. Uh, She doesn't have a preclusion towards like she seems to like killing bad people or people who can challenge her, not necessarily easy targets. That's what's established in this film.
0: And I could easily have seen her becoming a crime lord, but not the kind that does something like that. Like maybe, you know, I don't know, drugs and territory control, but it it just seems a little kind of out of uh, out of place for the character that was the villain in the first movie. But anyway, that is the plot of the film in a nutshell now in this last like 20 minutes we've got or not even let's talk about the action. So what did you think?
1: The actions, what I, I mean, I endure actually kind of enjoy the set dressing of the costumes, like the, it seemed to capture a time period, um, very well. So I enjoyed that as well, but, uh, the action is, was the main, um, uh, was the main reason for me to watch this. And the main reason uh, I went back and rewatched particular scenes. There are some scenes that are like you mentioned, the motorcycle scene, little uh, heavy in CGI. There are some scenes where it's just like, why are you cutting right there? Please don't mm-hmm. cut. Particularly the training sequence where they're training it. Cause it looks like it just does jump cuts. So it's like, are you trying to hide something or are you just trying to do something stylistic? And I feel it's the latter trying to do something stylistic. There are some, sequences that are so well shot and then just like jump cut it around and um but uh, once i got into the groove of the film i enjoyed it i mean there are other films you know that definitely this pulls from you already mentioned she shoots straight of course there's the raid of course i feel like there's some spl and flashpoint in here there's also uh like my favorite we're going to raid the bad guys lair uh, of the last few years fight sequence out post raid is baby assassins ah. i feel like there's a little bit of that they're like moments of like that as well um But with that said, I'm going to yield the floor and see how did you feel about these fight sequences?
0: So once again, from a directing standpoint, I think Veronica Noe did fantastic. The whole world Mm -hmm. they built. You mentioned world building. Aesthetically, super cool, super stylish. I loved the set design. I loved the costumes. I loved the music choices. I loved uh, some of the montages. And I loved the performances of all the cast. They were all fantastic. Uh, Very much so. Uh, I especially liked... uh, b who was uh let's see here played by dong an quen i uh Qun maybe i'm not sure but i thought she was fantastic they're all really good and i think veronica noe has a future as a top-notch action director as far as the action goes it definitely differs from the previous you know vietnamese ones we've talked about the rebel mm-hmm. obviously uh Clash, that, I mean, but Johnny Tree Newman was the, yeah. mind, the genius mind behind those. But even in comparison to Fury, a much different style. And I think you have to like the particular style that it focuses on. So once again, if you're a fan of, for example, The Villainous or Carter, these Korean films that have what I call the 360 action, where the camera is like following around at all times – If that's your style, you're going to love every second of the action. If you're into more grounded, old school, even Hong Kong style, like you and I are, you're going to get glimmers of it. Yes. You're going to have moments where you see that these cast members could have easily pulled it off. Yes. Uh, Even during the training sequence that you mentioned where they cut too much stuff, you see these girls are natural performers. They're doing pretty well and when we get just the the moments of like static camera work where they're throwing kicks Mm -hmm. brilliant but there's a lot of jumpy and it's all done at the highest level in terms of the camera it's not like jason Bourne style shaky camera work it's just the very almost video game esque circling around the action camera like constantly on the move not like a Sammo Hung traveling or tracking shot. We're talking handheld looking style. Yeah, it,
1: it, it's like a, it's definitely a. There's a gritty feel to it. You and you're you're hitting the nail on the head. You see more than you would in Born. Born is like shaky camera, yeah. blurred camera, too tight. This is this is you actually are seeing the camera work. You are seeing the the performers work, but it is you're. It's like POV. Uh, video game, gritty camera right. style. They
0: only do, I think, a POV shot actually once, if even at yeah. all, but it's that style that they've done in the last decade or so. Yes. Similar, Very, but at the highest level. So that's what I'm saying. If you like that style of action, you're going to be blown away by that. That being said, I still enjoyed the action, and overall, I still really enjoyed the film, but I would just get these moments like, for example, B, uh, once again, played by Dong An-kun, she's a mm-hmm. great kicker but we don't get to see yes. her kick enough like right. she she does Completely. kicks and you know uh we've got tan who uses like a samurai sword and you know a lot of hacking and slashing action which i can appreciate once again kind of reminiscent also from the boxer from shantong you know when you get the axe gang and stuff and i sometimes i would have just rather seen them go right like you know like she shoots straight hallway sequence you know uh yes. give them the chance because i i liked Yes, it's very gory and bloody, but I thought it worked, especially with the setting of this film, how dark it is, you know, blood mm-hmm. popping onto their faces and everything. Uh, and as I said, I love the costumes. I love her, like, uh, members-only style windbreaker outfit or whatever it was. the 1998, mm-hmm. the windbreaker style she's wearing, actually, it was, like, super in. I always wanted one, the zip-up one. Uh, but it's—so th- that all works together, but it's just some of the action. yeah. And, like, they, they choose unique camera— angles where they'll start low and go up and move around i'm like why not just shoot it as a standard martial arts film would because a lot of the choreography is really good and it's i i guess once again we are traditionalists in a sense and what i would have loved to have seen is this style sprinkled in with more of the traditional uh camera work for a like Hong Kong style fight scene or even 50-50 but instead what we have is like 90-10 90% listen, of this kind of newer style and only glimpses of the old school style
1: and, and listen it's with this current style wh- whether you're 90% 100% 80% it it evokes a feeling you feel in it you're 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 moving You're it's adrenaline building it's kinetic as we've mentioned however you know what AJ and I are talking about is the the sequence in New Orleans when, uh, in Hard Target, when Jean-Claude Van Damme confronts the three or four uh, assailants who have just stolen a purse. Everybody, if you've seen that scene, you remember at least one sequence, if not all of it. It's a moment where it pauses and lets us see what our performers can do. Because it's not like Born or taken where maybe the camera work has to help the performers a little bit. So, and also heightens the emotions of the, of the audience by, by getting these quick cuts, these performers can perform. So mixing in just a little more, getting it up to 25% of that old school, where all of a sudden you have, you know, a lot of Scott Atkins films have this as well, where you have that moment where it's getting a little slow motion, he's doing a scissor kick or, you know, uh, Donnie fighting in Flashpoint in the in the street market mm-hmm. you know you have these moments where all of a sudden something slows down and we remember you get to see the full stretch of Donnie Yen I would have loved to have seen the full stretch of of B mm-hmm. because she really clearly looks like she has everything that we want in an action performer
0: brilliant well put because for example it's like, like you know, old school watching a martial arts movie coming out of it. You're like, oh, how about that? You know, when Van Damme did that kick or this kick yes. in this film, unfortunately, you know what the one that sticks out to me is actually when uh, uh, Hong, right? Our first one to uh, the K-pop girl, Hong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the first one to die. But she has a sequence where she does a kick with her high heel and it goes yes. into the guy's yes. throat. It's kind of like a uh e- even though that's still a little more graphic than just a straight up like beautiful kick on screen it's one of those moments where we kind of get to see it executed and you know it's coming like yeah nice uh because the thing is martial arts technique wise like it's that vietnamese style where they do a, a, a vietnamese action style where they do that great mm-hmm. job of defensive and offensive elbows so like they're using great technique throughout but I I feel like it's actually sacrificed a little bit because of this very uh, you had mentioned earlier kinetic it's hyper kinetic camera work
1: mm-hmm. that
0: is just accelerated to the max at all times it, it, it's like you know a song with a crescendo right or you got to yes. you know build it up extremely and then come back down build it up just like the three act structure of a fight scene a traditional fight yes. scene that we've talked about many times we're kind of just going straight. Falls to the wall, like, woo, you know, cranked up uh, to an 11, right? So.
1: Right. It, 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 well, you know, it, it's funny because even if we go to one of the greatest fight sequences, old school fight sequences, so in my opinion, I love uh, the ending of Pedicab Driver. Oh, yeah. Right. We've talked about this. There's so much to remember from that, from the the final two fight sequences. But one of the things that sticks with me for years is Samo. Sammo's toe kicking the solar plexus. And I know exactly what you're
0: talking about, the roundhouse kick to the solar plexus,
1: yeah. Exactly, and there's nothing in, I mean, not a lot compares to Sammo, Hung's choreography and execution of his choreography, but there's nothing in this film that you walk away from other than the heel kick, and then I think there's a sequence where they're both on the desk at the end uh, that you can really like, Latch onto is as that moment as we're walking away from the film. It's more about the feeling you get from the film, the the energy because there is like a lot of pace, a lot of energy, and then also of course the closing where you're like, ah, so this is the character that mm-hmm. harvests the organs of children yeah. in fury. Yeah. You know that it's it's about that and it's about the world that's built. But what I think what Aj and I are, are speaking to is we've got some real performers in this film. And we don't necessarily get to walk away. We'll walk away saying, hey, that was cool. Or, hey, that was, you know, some people might walk away and say, hey, that was a little too much. But you might not have anyone walk away and say, hey, that one sequence was really epic. The 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 hallway sequence really could have been epic. Um, and it kind of was, but it wasn't she shoots straight.
0: Yeah. No, and uh, the other interesting part is one of the things I love about the first film, Fury, is hmm. – because we care about our characters in this film obviously we care about b but at the same time she herself is now ultraviolet it's this dark CD world there's just so much going on but in the first fury it's straight up just a mom trying to rescue her child you know yes. it's that motherly instinct and even when i was re-watching it i got goosebumps all the time just because like she right? is a heroine she is yes we are rooting for her we want her to win she is she has a, a, she's the, she's a great, almost like anti-hero because she has like this troubled past. She's technically Mm -hmm. kind of been a, not the best mom in the world, but Mm -hmm. she's trying the best she can. And in this instant, and it's very similar to Liam Neeson and Taken. She can finally use the one thing she's good at to rescue her daughter. And so it's just, we're, we're much more involved in the characters and feeling for them and feeling with them whereas in this film we we don't get as much of that and then once again that's not on the actors at all because as i said all their performances are brilliant it's just such a dark violent scene underworld and I guess that's, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be the backstory of Tan Wolf. Once again, I kind of don't really feel like it explains how she became I, yeah, like you know, the, the, the badass, crazy killer, sure, but not really her mind state of like, all right, now I'm going to harvest children's organs. It's
1: almost like we now need a sec second prequel of what takes place in that prison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of like the dark world that we have here, and, you know, obviously, you know, AJ and I, we're, we've picked a lot of films with uh, female leads this month, it's Women's History Month. Um, one, one thing about this film that sometimes happens a lot with female characters in action films is they have to survive an assault of some sort, usually a sexual assault of some sort. And I get it; it's people understand that it's emotional and you know statistically speaking it's very real in this world that we live in unfortunately this brings me to everywhere everything everywhere all at once what what does make that film so special and worthy of all the awards it won is it doesn't need to have a sexual assault associated with either either our the mother or the daughter, it, it deals with the, the everyday reality, the mundane reality, and growing out from those, from, from, from the everyday into having a very complicated conversation about generations and about family and about love and about acceptance. So what, like, not trying to tie this whole month into some kind of like political or so sociological statement, but sometimes what when I see a film like this it it pains me to think that well, we always talk about how martial art films are and martial arts in general are empowering to anyone who does it male, female, what have you uh so often the films when there is a female protagonist, she has to have survived something awful and B survives something awful, not just once when she was a child, but also again later yeah. in life. And that's, you know, sometimes it it hurts because I know that like, you know, if I want, if I have a daughter and I want her to take if she wants to take more shorts one day and I encourage her because hey, it's empowering, I can't necessarily turn to a lot of films, say, say, hey, hey, look at these females, look how empowered they are. I can turn to a Cynthia Rothrock film, I can turn to everywhere else everywhere everything e-a-a-o yeah, <laughs> do you, you know go. what i mean but i don't necessarily i don't think i can turn you know my daughter you know, let's say she's 13 is taking martial arts training with pd training with herman training with you uh, hey, let's turn on this and show you what women can do in martial arts. I don't think I would do that with this film. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is an R, 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 hard R-rated film. Uh, and I think that was a, a brilliant conclusion to your already very well-thought analysis of the film. So final thoughts as we wrap this up. Overall, final grade, what would you give it?
1: For what I think is a first-time directorial action debut because i haven't seen her other films so it's an uneducated uh grade i would actually get this into the b realm uh, if it's like 10th time out it's probably c plus yeah i was thinking i'm floating
0: between b and b plus so you know what, let's go with b plus simply because i th- i think a lot of the the current generation that likes that super hyper stylized kinetic mm-hmm. fight scenes if that's your jam you're going to be like oh this is like an a plus this is you know i just saw one other uh, outlet i follow talk about how it's the best uh, i think they said female action film that they've seen since and like you know it's like raving about it and i think it's also fantastic but i do not think it's better than fury the first film uh but yeah i give it a b plus it's definitely a lot of fun to watch uh you're going to be entertained you're mm-hmm. gonna be maybe slightly confused. I I think there is an English dub version on there. I didn't watch
1: that. I did I did I did watch both. Oh okay. Uh, my recommendation in the default setting on Netflix is the English dub version.
0: Oh, see, mine went straight to Vietnamese.
1: <laughs> uh, there you go, my uh, friend. You have the better you have the better settings. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that uh, the film has more humanity when it's not dubbed. Of course, uh, yeah. it, it just it moves you a little more because you hear the performers, you hear their emotions. And this is a film, particularly in the beginning, I think you need a little humanity and you get it with the, with the, with the, with the the actual actor, actresses and actors voices. Yeah. The dubbing is a little like, I don't want to say campy, but it takes the sting out of the sting out of the characters pain. Mm -hmm. And therefore uh, makes, what they're experiencing uh a little feel a little over the top rather than uh rather than harrowing or horrifying yeah
0: especially with uh, language like vietnamese uh very tonal so the Mm -hmm. inflection in the voice with the tones and you know with emotion it it is very important so yeah i would recommend watching it but uh, in vietnamese but they have both versions uh on that note uh language corner uh yes sir what, what should we say i don't even know you got any ideas
1: um, <laughs> the only thing that comes to my mind is "Stop," where my mom will shoot. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: uh, no, uh, man. Uh, <sighs> mm, I don't know what what because we've already done revenge. We've already done so many words that like come up with this film. Uh,
1: redemption.
0: Redemption. You know what? And honestly, I do not know how to say redemption that's
1: uh, don't ask me to say it in japanese either yeah because
0: i was gonna say i'll have to definitely ask rita laoshi for my next lesson uh okay 15 years she's in prison for 15 years very easy shi wu nian
1: shi wu nian
0: yeah sure, as in ten wu is in five nian year shi wu nian
1: shi wu nian
0: there you go hey that was pretty good that was a good beijing accent thank you all right that was a cop-out one sorry guys we didn't i didn't really think about it beforehand <laughs> uh but yeah, uh, uh, Yunnan, that's Vietnam, uh, Vietnam so Yunnan, uh, Vietnam, there Yunnan. you go. Okay. Uh, anywho, we got to wrap this up. We've gone way over, but there was a lot to cover in this. A lot of fun talking to you as always, my friend. Uh, this Likewise. This our, our final entry for Women's History Month. Uh, we hope you next guys month, enjoyed
1: it. Uh, ne- next week, are we talking about anything
0: new? Oh, Any
1: new films?
0: We, oh, maybe. Maybe that's not a bad idea. We do two brand new ones in a row. We'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, my friend, I will catch you later. Sounds right. good. Peace.